Hey, everybody. Welcome back to LettermanRow.com. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Buyers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to BuyersAuto.com and check out what they have for you. Uh, today, Spencer Holbrook and I have for you conversation uh, pertaining to the Ohio State Buckeyes football recruiting class of 2021, 2022, and whatever else is on the minds of uh, the people, because that's who we serve. Spencer, we serve the people. Right. I would I would call us public servants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, uh, that's what we are. We are unelected for life public servants. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. For Uh, life? Yeah, for life. All right. I'm not. Do you want to quit, Spencer? I will work until the day I die. Well, let's hope that's no time soon. Uh, because this show gets really boring if I'm just like, talking to myself. Um, Spencer, let's just start talking stuff about uh, the Buckeyes Bass, because that's sort of the the thing, I think, that everyone uh, um, is looking toward, because it's been uh, seemingly 400 years since there's been like a big recruiting weekend at Ohio State. Um, is this one, I don't know that I would necessarily qualify it as such, but the reality is that it is turning into a recruiting weekend and there hasn't been one since last uh, November. So I guess it has to be right. Yeah. Uh, The big thing I want people to understand is that right now, I think there's only one non-committed player expected at the Buckeyes bash. And that is Tristan Lee, uh, his brother, Aiden Lee, and then their mother is making the trip uh, from Virginia. So that means, well, Aiden Lee, I guess is, but he's a 2023. I'm not really (laughs) counting him. Um, because quite frankly, I mean, it, it's, he's a 2023 prospect and he's not Brennan Vernon or someone like that in Ohio where it's like, Oh, that, that's a must, 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 must get. Um, he is obviously a, a good young player. The Buckeyes have offered Aiden Lee, but the focus clearly will be on his big brother, Tristan, uh, six foot five, 290 pound offensive tackle from Fairfax, Virginia, a five-star prospect he's going to get like major love from the Ohio state class next week. And I think it's cool because for Travion Henderson and Tyleek Williams, who are making the trip from Virginia also uh, like this will be their first time at Ohio state and in Columbus, but Tristan's been there before. So it's almost like he's the guy that knows stuff about the city uh, more so than three of the commitments. If Denzel Burke makes it as he's expecting to. So it's not going to be quite as, uh, like introductory to Tristan Lee as it will be to some of the guys in the class, which I think is a weird dynamic. Yeah, that is, it's interesting because, you know, we think of Trayvon Henderson as one of the building blocks of this class, but the reality is he's never been on campus. He's never been to Ohio state. Whereas Tristan Lee is, you know, a fringe guy. They're hoping to get back in the mix for it. I think they are creeping back into the mix a little quicker than we expected them to, but, but he's kind of the guy that's going to show them around. Right. Yeah, I mean, as I said last week on Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Monroe and Byers Auto. Uh, if Tristan Lee really is interested in being a Buckeye, if he's truly interested in being a part of the Ohio State recruiting class, he had to make this trip this weekend or next weekend. He had to. So now that that is uh, locked in and his mother has confirmed that it's happening, and like once that happens, then you can start talking about that bold prediction that you made last week, which was that, Tristan Lee could end up being in the Ohio State class of 2021. Uh, There's a long way to go, but I think that what you have to look at 
is the top two contenders for Tristan Lee in Oklahoma and LSU um, certainly are not, you know, feeling so chipper about their football programs right now and where they're at, especially LSU. Who, um, you know, if, if you look at Ed Orgeron's career and his legacy, uh, last year was obviously a historical season and they won a national championship, but I don't know that there's anyone out there who's ever really been of the mindset that Ed Orgeron was like the world's greatest coach, you know, Hey, obviously he's a good recruiter. Are you, are, are you no. of that mindset? No, I was just going to say last year was an outlier. Uh, it, it is. It's an anomaly. It's an outlier. It's a misnomer. Uh, maybe it's not a misnomer. That's probably not right. Sometimes I just use words that sound smart. Um, even though I'm not really sure exactly what it means right now. It's still, my brain isn't fully awake uh, to the, to the wonders of vocabulistics, uh, Spencer. So I guess the point is LSU obviously recruits well. They're a program that uh, has built a lot of talent. They put a lot of guys in the NFL. It's a great college town. It's in the SEC. There's all these other things that are certainly worth paying attention to. Uh, and, and certainly all those other reasons that make them a, a real contender for any recruit around the country. Um, but it, if you take away a little bit of the magic dust from last year, then you start to see maybe there's an opportunity um, for other programs to get in the mix when maybe, you know, if they came out of the gate, like going crazy and blowing everyone out and winning all their games maybe that would be easier sell for LSU to be like, Hey, we're, this is who we are now. Let's, let's, let's go. Um, so the fact that Tristan Lee and his parent and brother are making the trip to Ohio state is pretty important. Now, obviously Spencer, as we know, what, what can he not do when he's in Columbus? Talk to coaches. Can't talk to coaches when he's at Ohio state. So to me, the, the frustration for Ohio state is this, you have this big visit happening. You know that, Tristan has already visited Oklahoma in the same fashion. He's visited uh, LSU in this fashion twice. Like this is sort of your opportunity to push back into the conversation. But you also can sort of read between the lines here that he he's making these decisions uh, based on these visits to schools where he can't really be recruited by the schools. So how soon after this weekend upcoming that he makes – I keep saying this weekend, but it's actually next weekend. So sorry about that. Um, how makes soon sense. after, how soon after he makes that decision ultimately, I think is what the Buckeyes are going to be trying to like figure out here, because if a decision is made before December, then does it matter if he makes it this coming weekend or not next weekend, this next coming weekend, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. he has to, at some point he's going to want to get back to these schools in an official visit capacity. And that's when you really will um, separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, when it comes to his recruitment. But how, how does, how do you think that you would be impacted as a recruit by what you can do next weekend? Well, I think here's the big thing for me is like Ohio state should hope that the official visits don't happen for Tristan Lay because I think Ed Orgeron is best recruiting when he has guys on campus he's showing them what it's like down on the bayou you know go tigers and all that all that hoorah yeah and then lincoln riley is right. when you get a guy on oklahoma's campus it's almost the same way they're a little enamored by what they see when they go to oklahoma whereas ohio state they kind of recruit in a different fashion they don't need guys to be on campus to get them to commit they don't need guys to to really uh 
you know, come see the slide and the facility and everything like that. Like it's more of just a, a, a holistic family style approach where they say, this is what we have to offer. If you want to come great. And I think that's one of the advantages Ohio state has in this recruitment is he can't take official visits right now. So he can't go have, he can't go have uh, jambalaya or gumbo with uh, Edo's mom. You know, he can't do with that kind of stuff or whatever they, they do with these recruits because yeah. you know, those are the kind of things that happen down there. But like, he what about gumbalaya? Is that a thing? I don't know. I almost said that. Could no, you combine the two? I'm sort of wondering, have we just spawned a new like Creole style meal that maybe I like don't... is this is this our shark tank moment? Do we just we create gumbalaya? We, we don't have the authority to do that. Why not? I've never been to Louisiana. I mean I have. I've been there once, but like I don't think that you have to Popeye's chicken uh is not only in Louisiana, right? If I create gumbalaya, why can't I be the sole creator and purveyor of gumbalaya from this point forward? I don't know. I'm going to get back to my point. Like Ohio State does not does not need an official visit to get a five-star offensive tackle to visit. Yeah. I mean, to commit, I think it would be a little easier for them, but it also might put them at a disadvantage because when you get down to LSU, it's just a different way of an official visit. You know, they have some things they like to show guys and and so I do think I'm going to stick with that prediction. Like, I think this is, this is trending in a way Ohio State wants to see. Yeah, it's certainly a positive step for the Buckeyes. And, and the one thing that really is important about next weekend's visit, and we'll talk about this more next week on the show, I'm, I'm sure, but it is that this is an opportunity for Tristan and his family to get to know the families of other Ohio State commitments. And, and, and I don't want to sound um, – slanted here because i'm sure it will regardless so i guess i guess i don't care if i sound slanted when i say it it's not my intention though. the one of the things i think has become so important in ohio state recruiting in the last handful of years is the involvement of the parents in the recruiting process and the way that the parents have formed the football parents at ohio state group and how they've all gotten so close and i think that um one of the real negatives to this pandemic uh, from a recruiting standpoint, was that it eliminated the the June official visit weekend where everyone in this class and the class of 22 early prospects that they were really dialed in on were all going to be in Columbus with their families. It was like their big barbecue, hang out, spend the time getting to know each other weekend. Um, and for a parent at this point, considering sending their kid to another state for college, in the middle of the world being on fire, literally, it seems like, um, like there has to be a certain comfort level with the people that they're going to be around. Um, the only real advantage Ohio State has over LSU and Oklahoma in the recruitment of Tristan Lee is location. Uh, it's it's obviously a little bit closer than Baton Rouge. It's a lot closer than uh, Norman, Oklahoma. And so you have that sort of built-in advantage. And I think that the relationships that can be built up and formed next weekend, the relationships with parents like Jack Sawyer's parents who, you know, the kids are going to be staying at Jack's house. Like that's where I think that there's an opportunity for Ohio state to really make a leap uh, in the Tristan Lee recruitment because they're really great people that are behind the, the kids. Uh, and that, that changes a lot of things. I think now, go ahead. No, I think please. the other I think the other thing that changes this recruitment a little bit is when, when they watch that game together, all of those recruits, I, I really feel like the main objective of all the offensive recruits should be, hey, do you see Thayer Munford right there? 
he's gone. Do you see Nicholas Petit Ferrer right there? If he plays well this season, he's gone. Then it's you and Paris Johnson. I mean, like that that's the recruiting pitch that has yeah. to has to resonate. So it's gotta be about the relationships with the parents and how well he can see himself playing in this offense and and you know, becoming a, a, a tackle at Ohio State. I think those are the two biggest factors. Yeah, so I mean all, all eyes are kind of kind of be on Tristan Lee next weekend. Um, because as mentioned, it, it has been discussed a few weeks ago when this whole plan really started to get cemented. There was some early discussion about Emeka Abuka and JT Tumalau potentially making the trip. That's not looking like it's going to happen. And, um, you know, the Buckeyes aren't giving up on that. Like they're still trying to say, Hey, why not? If you, if you want to be here, be here. Um, but again, it has to be completely driven by the recruits and not any involvement with the coaching staff. So it does make it a little bit harder to sort of push that message um, when it's being completely sold um, by the, the guys that are in the class. So uh, they're not done working on that, I can assure you. So what, what's interesting, like Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison, I don't know that they're going to make it, um, you know, but in general, uh, the majority of the class is going to be in town. We'll see if Jordan Hancock makes it now that he's opted back into his senior season at North Gwinnett High School. But a lot of guys are, are really excited about this trip. And um, it puts the Buckeyes coaching staff in a weird position because on a weekend where you would normally, like a coach talking to commitments, the Buckeyes play their game, those coaches would be talking to commitments the rest of the night. Like, hey, did you watch what we did here? Did you see this? How would you think? What about that? And now they're going to have to be basically playing – mums the word because they're not going to want to talk to the commitments because if they call them and they happen to be at, you know, uh, roosters on Olin Tangy, all of a sudden they are committing a recruiting violation. So now it's like, Oh crap, don't call us until Sunday. Um, and I think that that takes a little bit of the luster off of what should be a celebration style weekend in Columbus. But, uh, the positives for Ohio State when it comes to the peer-to-peer recruiting, the getting to know Tristan Lee and his family, the opportunity to really lock in guys like Tristan or uh, Travion Henderson and uh, uh, Tyleek Williams and Denzel Burke and all these guys that are coming in from all over the country, I think outweighs that. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. You know, and again, we, we've been pretty hard on uh, this whole concept, Spencer, of these, you know, non-coaches involved weekends, but um, – if this is the way the NCAA is going to play it and, and this is what they're going to force these kids to do, you can't really blame them for, for organizing this amongst themselves. No, I, I completely agree. I, the NCAA has, has uh, forced this to happen. You know, yeah, I mean, no- and, and I don't necessarily blame them. I get the idea of wanting to hold back on visits. And, and I have a story coming later this week about, you know, that balance. But the simple truth is that Ohio State, from their perspective, risks more than they gain by welcoming recruits to campus. So, well, I don't go ahead. And the other thing that I will say about this is like, I don't want to bash the NCAA for this recruiting thing. I think there should be allowed to be visits if colleges want that risk of bringing kids on campus for visits. But at the same time, like the NCAA has to err on the side of caution. Yeah. Like we, we don't like that they can't visit because it gives us less to talk about. Right. But at the same time, like, these kids aren't even college athletes yet. And we always talk about the rights of college athletes and how they deserve more and everything. But like these high school kids are most of the time underage kids, like they're still minors. And so you have to err on the side of caution. And I don't mean to make this show about that kind of stuff, but like, yes, the NCAA is forcing these kids to have to get together for a Buckeye bash style thing instead of being at the Woody. But like, you can't really blame the NCAA for what it's doing because it is, 
in one sense, finally putting the kids first. Yeah, and, and the simple truth here is that if the colleges around the country had a real problem with it, uh, they would be arguing against it the same way that they argued against not playing. So, uh, you know, it is difficult for the recruits. It's difficult for their families, especially those who are trying to make decisions before the December signing period. Um, but as everything else, like right now, it's just sort of one of those things where you don't know ultimately what's going to happen. And so uh, everyone's sort of adjusting on the fly. And that brings us to where we are. Um, Derek Davis is another player. I know that I've, I've seen some speculation out there that maybe he would be making his trip uh, to Ohio State next weekend for the Buckeyes bash. I don't think that's happening. I know there has been some, again, some preliminary discussions between Derek and his father about it. Uh, it's almost entirely based on the football schedule for Gateway High School over there in Monroeville, PA. Uh, I wouldn't count on him being there, but, you know, we've talked about Derek Davis um, a bit recently just because he is one of those final few guys in the class of 2021 that Ohio State is really hoping to still add to the class. They are still recruiting him hard. They still feel like maybe they're not in the winning position there, but it's one of those things where they've recruited him longer than anybody other than Penn State, and that hasn't really been Penn State recruiting him longer. It's just they've both been recruiting him since he was a freshman. So you just hope that, you know, he could maybe get on campus and get one more last vibe in with that recruiting class and, and, and see, hey, it doesn't matter that I'd be the seventh defensive back because this is how long they've wanted me and they have a plan. But, uh, again, as we talked about before, like, it doesn't mean he's afraid of competition if he doesn't do that. It's just thinking smart. It's common sense. Common sense. That's what we believe here. On Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Real and Byers Auto. We believe in common sense. Uh, Spencer, I also believe in uh, common decency. And common decency means that we answer questions from people who ask questions because we care about you, because we are of the people, for the people, yeah. by the people. We are public servants. We are humble public servants. And we uh, asked for some questions on the Twitter machine in the last couple of days. And to be honest, uh, it seems like a lot of you out there who are wanting questions answered are running into the same problems that we are uh, because there's not a lot of talk to have when it comes to recruiting right now. There's not a lot to talk about. It's like we're just rehashing the same things, and that's okay. Let's just rehash some things. Spencer, yeah. what do you say? What, what's the first question for the week? And who's it from? Uh, the first question for the week is from Cole F. I'm still Cole. pulling it up. There we go. Uh, Cole World. If Ohio State is only taking a couple wide receivers in the 2022 class, would Brian Hartline help recruit one of the other position groups? And then he asked, would he have any credibility recruiting like offensive line or would he be better to try and help in like defensive backs because he recru recruits wide receivers? Uh, I mean, Brian Hartline and all the staff at Ohio State will recruit any player, period. Brian Hartline has been very instrumental in the recruitment of JT Tumalau, for example. Uh, not necessarily because he's recruiting him as a defensive player or because, uh, but because he was the guy recruiting that area when he was meeting G Scott and Emeka Abuka. And then all of a sudden that's how relationships get formed. Uh, Brian Hartline recruits St. Louis. So he's been very involved in the recruitment of Jacqueline Johnson and, and other players in that area. Um, but uh, the bottom line is that every Ohio state coach needs to be able to recruit any player 
Ryan Day, back when he was an assistant coach, was the quarterback's coach, of course, but he was the lead recruiter on Harry Miller. He was a lead recruiter on Garrett Wilson. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, uh, responsibility for every Ohio State coach. I do want to talk, though, about that 2022 receiver group because one of those players that we kind of thought was leaning towards Ohio State early in the process was Luther Burden from St. Louis Cardinal Litter High School, the alma mater of Jamison Williams. Uh, and he committed to Oklahoma last week. Uh, he's never been to Ohio State, so you knew that the Buckeyes were sort of falling behind as, as the class of 2022. Sort of, uh, it seems like they're jumping on um, scholarship offers earlier just to lock in some spots because we don't know what's going to happen with recruiting. I don't think that people should freak out about that relationship going bad or that recruitment being over. It's a long time before he can sign anywhere, and I think the Buckeyes are going to continue to recruit Luther Burden, but you know he's at the top of that 2022 receiver list with Caleb Burton from uh, Texas, with C.J. Williams out in California, with uh, Armani Winfield in Texas. Um, so just, I don't want to say disregard anyone's commitment at this point, but because there are some obviously in the class of 2022, like you know in Ohio, for example like Tiger Tishabola or Jair Brown or C.J. Hicks and Desan McCullough, all the Buckeyes commitments. Again, I realize I sound slanted. But if a kid like Luther Burden from Missouri is committing to a place like Oklahoma because he's been there once and he hasn't been anywhere else, I don't think that that's a recruitment that people should be like, oh, what happened? How'd the Buckeyes fall off on that one? There's a lot of good receivers out there. He's one of them they're looking at. Don't, don't put too much stock into what happens there. And don't ever count Brian Hartline out. Right. I mean, that's the simple truth. The Buckeyes, uh, Mookie Cooper, Jamison Williams, uh, Cameron Brown, Cameron Babb, um, Ezekiel Elliott, they, they, J.K. Johnson now in 2021. Like, they do a pretty good job in St. Louis. The relationships are very strong at Cardinal River High School. There's time to get back into the mix if Luther Burden uh, is a player that they're truly interested in. But I think the bottom line here, is so many guys in the class of 2022, we don't really know how sincere the interest is because they haven't played, a lot of these kids haven't played their junior year of high school. St. Louis has just started playing some game. Like, so there's a lot of things that are unknown and um, the recruits I think are taking advantage of that by committing to schools to make sure they have their spots, but they're still gonna be conversation. So next question. All right, uh, we can probably do one or two more. Uh, assuming the Buckeyes don't get Tristan Lay, which obviously uh, is still up in the air, is Gunnar Givens the top target in 2022? And besides him, who are the top offensive line prospects? I know there are a lot in the state, Berm. Um, Ohio State could probably make the core of an offensive line class just inside Ohio. It's a very strong yeah. offensive line class in the state. Um, but And, you know, a lot of good people know those names. You know, Blake Miller, um, Emil Wagner. Like, those guys are already on yeah. the radar. So. Uh, I thought with this question, we could go a little out of the state and, and kind of dissect that because we've covered in-state recruits pretty well. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear. The Buckeyes' top target at tackle is already committed to Ohio State. That's Tiger Tishabola from from uh, Wayne Huber Heights High School. Uh, I'm sorry, West Lakota West, my bad. Not Wayne. The helmets are – there's a big W, whatever. Um, I, I don't know exactly where Gunnar Gibbons falls on their list. I know that him, Zach Rice, who's another uh, Virginia kid, um, are high on the list. There's Keontae Goodwin down there um, in the Louisville area, which is very high on their list. 
But as you said, I mean, this is a class of offensive linemen that's probably going to be five or six deep. And I think that they could fundamentally recruit all of them from the state of Ohio if they really chose to. Uh, we've talked a little bit in the past about Greg Sudwara and his lack of closing ability when it comes to out-of-state targets. Uh, Gunnar Gibbons is a player he has been uh, in regular contact with, so they're, they're certainly involved there. But there's a ton of out-of-state kids that are still on the board. And the offensive line is just one of those spots where you can see something like uh, we'll use Zen Mahalski as an example. Like they saw an athletic tackle there, a kid that had played tight end and was growing into his body, but they had seen senior tape uh, of him playing. And so they were able to really kind of make a, uh, an aggressive move on him. Virginia is not playing football yet, so we have no idea what Gunnar Gibbons is going to look like as an offensive tackle uh, with pads on. And I think that – so a lot of the – the guys that they're interested in are sort of preliminary interests where they're like, uh, this kid looks really good. He's now up to six foot six, 285 pounds. He's athletic. He can do this. But until they can get a chance to see them with a helmet on and pads on and playing against defensive linemen, it's hard to get too invested in their recruitment. So right now it's just about relationship building. Gunnar Givens is certainly at the top of that list. But for me, it, it, there's not a whole lot of difference in what I see athletically or, or physically from Gunnar Gibbons to Emil Wagner. Like I, I think that you can see Emil Wagner at this point is only 245, 250 pounds. And so you know that he's got the potential to go up to that 290, 300 pounder and be super athletic. And Emil's brother, Ahmad Wagner, who played uh, basketball and football at Iowa is one of the most athletic players in Ohio in the last decade, in my opinion. And I, I think he made a, poor decision by not being a, a college football player full-time. Emil's not going to make that mistake, and the Buckeyes are watching him close. Um, uh, I think it's fortunate for Ohio State that 2022 is one of those years where you can really recruit the base of that offensive line in Ohio. So, And then the surrounding area, and by that I mean Indiana, where they've got guys like uh, DeMond Moore over there in Fort Wayne, and then Keontae Goodwin down there in Louisville area. Uh, I think that's Smarter and more reasonable for Buckeye fans to look there. Um, and then you have like the big hog mollies out there in California, like Ernest Green uh, at St. John Bosco, the Wyatt Davis sort of protege. Buckeyes are very high on him. So, so much of it, I don't want to ever dismiss anything because recruiting changes very quickly and things happen quickly. But like, there's so many questions that have to be answered. And again, California is not playing football yet. Virginia is not playing football yet. North Carolina, where a lot of the Buckeye recruiting is happening, aren't playing football yet. Texas is just getting underway. Like, you know, early offers in that class are sort of reactionary and based on what you see in a camp or something like that. But without any in-person camps at Ohio State this season, without any ability to evaluate players at their high schools, without any evaluations of, of players on junior film against actual competition, Everything is sort of, uh, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors right now. That's all. All right. Last, last, que last question. Let's make it quick. Sure. Uh, how do you think the staff is approaching the 2021 class numbers-wise? And I wanted to get to this question because uh, Eduardo – oh, returning questioner, Eduardo. Oh, hola. Eduardo asks a good question hola. because we can, we can discuss – what the numbers are going to look like. I feel like they keep changing, but they kind of aren't changing. They were at 25, 26. Now it's down to yeah. 22, 23. So what are, what are your thoughts, Bert? 
Well, the Buckeyes are at 20 commitments. Uh, they have a free year on the roster with any senior getting uh, an, an extra year of eligibility. I don't think they're going to use that. Ryan Day has said as much that they're not looking to really go above 85 for next year, even if they have the opportunity to. I think that the number is going to stick in that 22 or 23 range. There's maybe 24. So, so there's let's just be blunt, right? There's 20 commitments. There's four guys left that they would take a commitment from today. Okay? Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, Eduardo. Four so, guys. Tristan Lay. One. JT. Two. Emeka. Three. And Derek Davis. Four, right? Uh, and then if something weird happened out there in California and LSU continues to stumble and Rajon Davis decided that he wanted to – to hold off on, you know, making a, a signing anywhere and then wants to make a visit to Iowa State. Sure, they love Rajon Davis. They would love to have him in the class too. But I don't get the sense that that's going anywhere else. He seems pretty locked in with LSU despite their troubles. Um, but again, who knows? I mean, if they fire Bo Pelini again and they need another defense coordinator, and you just don't know what's going to happen about two weeks from now, let alone two months from now. But um, it would be surprising to see this class get above 23 guys at this point. And, that's okay. I mean, if they go over the 85 for next year be, to get 25, if Rajon Davis and Derek Davis decide they want in the class, and absolutely, yes, they're in, and then you work that out down the road. But these kids and the players at Ohio State recruits, the caliber of players Ohio State recruits, they're not looking for kids that are uh, wanting to come in and sit for two years. So th these are kids that want to play. Um, and the business side of college football – uh, becomes very apparent when you start talking about the roster because it doesn't make a lot of sense. If you have somebody on your roster that's a fifth-year senior that's never been good enough to play or whatever, hypothetically speaking, uh, it's, it's a bad business decision to hold off on a kid who you think can be a player as a freshman or sophomore. Like, doesn't make sense, right? So you just start to focus on the class of 2021, and you also don't want to – upset or upend the class of 2022 down the road if you take extra players in this class because you have the ability to like it doesn't you can't completely reinvent the wheel here and you can't put yourself in a position where as the NCAA is getting ready to allow the one-time transfer rule for everyone to be you know free and clear of a transfer like you don't want a bunch of extra dudes that are sitting on your bench who can just go anywhere they want whenever they want so um, I think it's actually more important than ever to be um really dialed in with who you're taking and how many you're taking because of all the questions. So you don't uh, want to develop a, you don't want to develop a guy for two years and then go have him play at Michigan or Nebraska. Right. You don't want, you know, an, a, a Joe Burrow situation where you lose a guy and he goes and wins a national championship and you want to develop your own kids and you want to recruit the kids that you think can play uh, and you recruit kids you think can play right now. And that's the, what the final pieces of this Ohio state recruiting class are going to be. If none of those four decide to commit to Ohio State, I don't think that they would feel compelled to take anyone else. Uh, not that they wouldn't. Not that they wouldn't go out there and maybe throw an offer out for another defensive tackle or something down the road. But uh, I don't think that they would feel forced to take anyone else. So I, I'm going to put the number at 23 uh, and, and see what happens there. That's what I think it'll end up. But that's it. So. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Byers Automotive. Check out their website, buyersauto.com. 
And folks, there have been a lot of questions on our YouTubes about like, where do we get Letterman Row stuff? And we're, we are trying to build out the store a little bit and trying to make sure that there's opportunities for people to, to buy stuff. If you want stuff, check it out. Go to LettermanRow.com um, and, and check out the link on the store. And, you know, continue to write, blah, 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 blah. like, rate, review, subscribe, all those things. We appreciate you following us through these last few months of uh, relative calm in the recruiting world. Hopefully we can... Uh, start kicking up some storms here soon. So uh, thanks for watching, everyone. We'll catch you out, or uh, catch you out, check you out again next week.